to SkillsUSA's podcast channel. SkillsUSA podcasts are a combination of interviews, speeches from our national conference, and content from other podcasts or radio broadcasts, which we've been given permission to share. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or visit SkillsUSA.org and search podcast. Art Dela Cruz served in the U.S. Navy for 22 years, with notable tours including serving as an instructor at the Navy Fighter Weapons School, Top Gun, and as a commanding officer of Strike Fighter Squadron 2-2. During his career, he made six deployments as an F-14 and F-18 Naval Flight Officer. After retiring from the Navy, Art served as the Director of Strategic Planning at Northrop Grumman Aerospace Systems. Since then, he found a passion and currently serves as the Chief Operating Officer for Team Rubicon, the only nonprofit disaster response organization that uses the skills of military veterans to rapidly deploy emergency response teams. In giving veterans an opportunity to continue their service, Team Rubicon provides them with a sense of purpose, community, and identity. Since the organization's founding in 2010, in the massive Haiti earthquake, Team Rubicon has responded to over 320 disasters and grown from eight to over 100,000 volunteer members. Team Rubicon has responded to hurricanes, wildfires, earthquakes, and floods all over the world. Art earns his bachelor degree in physics from the U.S. Naval Academy and a master's degree in operations management from the University of Arkansas. A major earthquake shook the Caribbean nation of Haiti late today. It hit just 14 miles from Port-au-Prince. They say they can't keep up with the need, that it's just a tremendous demand for first aid. Police workers are pouring into Haiti now to help the victims. Among them, a team of friends, buddies from the Marine Corps. They call themselves Team Rubicon. The team brought medical supplies, antibiotics. And they got to work quickly, pulling more people out of collapsed buildings and treating them. But there still aren't enough doctors to treat everybody. None of us have dreamed of all the people we could have helped. We hoped we could, but we could not have dreamed of this. Say they are getting responses from all over the country who want to help. That was the beginning of Team Rubicon, an organization that helps veterans get back into civilian life by using their military skills in disaster relief. He'd like to make Team Rubicon a full-time pursuit to help disaster victims all over the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Art Dela Cruz. Wow.
Um, I'm going to start out by saying that this is the most impressive thing I've ever seen. To have people from 50 different states and different territories here is simply amazing. And I'll tell you that over the course of the past few weeks, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of leadership. And they gave me all of these different adjectives about what this is about. It's amazing. It's energized. Um, but the one that really sticks out, the one that really makes me say this is what Skills USA National Leadership and Skills Conference is about, is they use the word rock concert. I mean, this place is like a rock concert as I begin to watch you in the, walk in here. Um, and what's kind of wrong about that is at a rock concert, you come to a rock concert because of the person on the stage, the band, the singer, the performer. I'll tell you what, at this venue, you come to this concert because of all of you in the crowd. So hats, hands, you know, give yourself a hand. Give yourself a round of applause because you, the 6,600 people who've made it out of 360,000 and beat all the odds to be here with a gold medal, you are simply amazing and you are simply inspiring. So I congratulate each of you. Now, as we talked about, Team Rubicon is a disaster response organization. Our goal is to help people after their worst day. There are times when Mother Nature dishes up something that you simply can't be prepared for, and a tornado or a flood or a hurricane is going to ruin your house in Georgia, or it's going to become a tornado in Kansas, or it's going to become a flood in the Florida panhandle, and there's nothing you can really do in the face of all of that energy. You just have to grit and bear it. So my first order of business with you is to help you understand that for Team Rubicon and our 100,000 volunteers, first responders, um, veterans from the military, our job is to help people in those disasters. But what we get out of it as well is we have an opportunity to serve those veterans. It's our passion because they can reconnect with purpose, community, and identity. So what I'm going to do now is going to talk a little bit about and start with a call to action for the 6,600 people here and the 360,000 people across the country that might be watching right now and the 420,000 other members that are part of Skills USA because the skills you have and the skills you train and the value you perform in the communities is so important when natural disaster strikes. The tornado you see behind me ripped apart this town and if you're over there using one of those 11 skills you have from construction to hospitality to transportation to healthcare, you can make a difference. And you will know when it's time to answer that call. And my hope is that when that comes up and you say, you know what, I have something to give, I have something that can make a difference, I have something that, where I can look at somebody and say, your worst day is over because we're here to help, you'll join us, Team Rubicon, in those arenas where there's too much work to be done and not enough people, and you're going to make a difference. Because I will tell you, I just got back from Kansas where I helped a farmer after a, after a tornado tear down trees that were keeping the cattle from getting out of the fields and keeping him from planting his corn, and it was the most amazing thing in the world. Because know it or not, all of you here are wired for service, and you too are built to serve. So, 
you can make a difference, right? We've built 500 roofs in Puerto Rico. Where's Puerto Rico? There we go. We're on our way to building 100 homes in Houston. Where's Texas? All right, Texas. We're going to Mokalee, Florida. We've already built 40 houses, and we got another 60 on, on tap. So where's Florida? We've been to Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut. All those states, men and women, are making a difference because they have skills and they have the willingness to serve, and we want you to be a part of it. So when I got asked to do this, the other thing I had was a lot of imposter syndrome, right? It's Mike Rowe and it's uh, Kesloff. You've got NASCAR drivers and TV performers. And I'm wondering, what does Art Delacruz, a kid who grew up in Minnesota, where are you at, Minnesota? The son of Filipino immigrants who had everything in the world. I had a great education. I was in a great school. I had a great neighborhood, I was in sports, I got to do all these things I wanted to do, and I went down that track where I said, I need to go to college, I need to get an education, I need to do these amazing things. And what I decided and what I figured out after one year at university was that was not right for me. I needed skills, I needed applications, so I joined the Navy, right? I joined the Navy. I made a decision after that one year that I was built to do something a little bit different. And for me, it wasn't Skills USA. As I sit here and watch the energy and I watch the people, I kind of wish it was. For me, it was the Navy, and I made a decision to serve. So I'm not a NASCAR driver, and I'm not a TV personality that's really good in talking about labor and the value you bring. But I can tell you one thing um, that probably makes a difference for you is that I'm a dad. So this is a picture of me. Yep. And an incredible family. After 22 years of service, I took off my uniform and I said, it's time to do something different. And I looked at my daughter, who was born in Tennessee, and my other daughter, who was born in California, we already... and another daughter, uh, son who was born in California, and that little guy there who's a Georgia product. Where are you at, Georgia? Listen to this rock. This is a rock concert. This is awesome. Um, and we said, let's do something different. Let's make a difference and let's do something special in this world. And we went off on our journey. So the framework I'm going to use is as you approach these days here, as you take advantage of the incredible opportunity in front of you, 6,600 gold medal, or 6,600 people here, 11,000 in this venue, it's an amazing opportunity if you seize it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what I'd tell these four kids up here if they were here, and I hope they're here. I hope they're in this stage, and they stand up when you say Georgia or California or Tennessee. I hope they're here because I see the value of it. And the way I can do this is I'd look at my four kids, and I'd say, in order to make your week super, super effective, I'm going to take you back to seventh grade English, and I'm going to talk about pronouns. 39 pronouns, the we's, the me's, the they's, the us. And I'm going to really kind of narrow with them, and I'm going to say, when you get there and when you're around all these amazing people, I want you to think about the we, and I want you to think about the me. They didn't give this lesson in seventh grade. 
I learned it because I was fortunate enough to spend 22 years in the United States Navy and learn from incredible mentors that were like your advisors. I learned from instructors who were like all of the teachers that are here. And I learned from my peers that I served with. The we versus the me. And I started with the me. I was going through flight school back in 1992, and all I cared about was me. I said, I need to make it through this. I've got to get grades. I've got to be prepared for the next flight. I have to be ready for the simulator. I have to know what I'm going to do. And I cared about the me. The me drove me to success, just like it'll drive all of you to success. It's gotten you here, and it will drive you to success when you start those competitions tomorrow. But things changed. In this F-14, I made two deployments, the first one in 1993, and that's when you figure out that being the me is insignificant in the grand scheme of things. It's about the we. Because you've got men and women on the ground. We saw a lot of those army warriors um, out there um, in the uh, West Wing. You're supporting them. You're supporting people across the world that are going into harm's way from 20,000 feet at an airplane. And you're only doing it because of the incredible team that's around you that has all the skills to make this happen. The me quickly became the we. And it became really apparent as I became the commanding officer of this squadron, VFA-22, out of Lemoore, California. We made three more deployments into the Middle East in 2008 and 2009. And you began to understand that it was about the we because the me is really pretty insignificant in that green, grand scheme. So the we and the me, and that's the first lesson I'd tell my four kids. The second lesson I'd tell them, again, in this theme of pronouns, is you are important. 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 Everyone in this room is important. But how you use that pronoun, how you use that you, is either selfish or it's service. It's selfish and it's about me, or it's service because it's about the we. And I would argue that as you're in that venue tomorrow, you have an incredible opportunity to take this you and figure out why you're important. And the analogy I'll use, or the, the thing I'll kind of use, is immediately when I saw SkillsUSA, I thought of the aircraft carrier. And this is the USS Harry Truman, 1,100 feet long, 100,000 tons of displacement, 5,000 people on this ship at any given time, powered by two nuclear reactors. So about this side of the crowd over is on this ship making things happen. Every one of those 17 skills that they've deemed invaluable for people who are going to enter the workforce is present on these flight decks. It's present on the decks below. It's what makes 70 airplanes go into harm's way. They can launch, they can land, they can do incredible things at the nation's calling. That's what happens there. That is an aircraft carrier, and that is what happens when the you figures out why it's important. So when you're out there, you know, it's not three football fields long like an aircraft carrier. Instead, it's 20 football fields. Nick took me around today. I am blown away that 20 football fields is what it takes to capture and demonstrate the energy, the skills, and the, the incredible practice that you've had to make that happen. So tomorrow, 
figure out how the U works, figure out why it's super important that as you go through that process, you understand what you're doing. You understand that there's checks and balance. You understand that there are people that are there to help you be better because nothing makes them happier than seeing you be their best. You have to remember that you are important because in this scenario, you've got four other people or three other people counting on you to do your job correctly. They're counting on you to be on schedule. They're counting on you to make sure you've got the right product lined up so you can make this incredible home in a short amount of time. You, 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 and you are all important. And the other part of the you is you're going to find an I was incredibly impressed. This, con this uh, was already going on. Aircraft carriers have the worst haircuts ever. I've got six years to prove that. Um, but what I was so impressed about when I watched this this afternoon to all those cosmetology students is you have a gift. You have a gift because by doing this, by having empathy, by having artistry, by taking this skill and making that person in the chair, feel like they're their best person, you are important. You, you, and you are important. Yeah. That's more like it. That's more like it. Because you need to feel good about who you are. Because if you don't, bad things happen. This is a 60,000-pound airplane. On the USS Ronald Reagan, it's going to go from zero to 165 miles an hour in 300 feet and two seconds. You sit in that seat, somebody presses a button, and your eyeballs go in the back of your head. You get off the end of that ship, and you say, thank God. Because if you're wondering what can go wrong when you're going from zero to 165 and 300 feet in two seconds, the answer is everything. Everything can go wrong. Because, but because people have figured out that the U is important, there's never a lost tool binding the flight controls. The engine doesn't hiccup. There's steam with enough energy to send you off the ship. And all the emergency procedures and all the people, 5,000 people are safe as this beast goes roaring off a steel flight deck. You are important. You are important when you're catting something up or you're exercising cybersecurity or you're writing new code to do incredible things. You are important when you're fixing something that somebody's livelihood or somebody's life relies on. You are important. So that's what I tell my kids. I'd say, in your three days, Understand the we versus the me and understand how you are important because you are. You're incredibly important. Here's the other thing I tell them. Leadership is about the we. How many people in this crowd have ever been around a leader where the leader is about the me, the I? Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, not a lot of claps. So when all these folks lined up here, these teachers and these mentors, these advisors and these inspirations, and kids and the young adults stood up there and gave these testimonies about how impactful they were, and these incredible people in the front row here were recognized for their contributions, 
it wasn't about them. When they accepted that award, it wasn't about them. They judged their ability for leadership based on the we. They want all of you, because you're important, to succeed. And when you succeed, to them, that's the we. So I was fortunate to have a uh, squadron. Greatest privilege of my life, saved my family. 300 men and women be uh, around me. Uh, I commanded this. We went on two deployments. Uh, and you'll see four different or three different officers there, incredible friends. Um, they understood it was about the we, because we had 12 airplanes that you see there, but we had 300 people that made it happen. So we all made sure that it wasn't about us, it was about them. Again, leadership is about the we. Um, and there were other instances. All alone, over Afghanistan, you'd think here, this is a picture taken. One of the things about the we is sometimes you have to look a little farther to understand where the connection is. I want you to take a close look at the reflection in the visor there, on the uh, right side there. You're going to see a KC-10 there. This is over Afghanistan. Some sailor or some airman from Tennessee turned a wrench on this jet that was in Travis, California, in New Jersey, made sure that jet could fly all the way over to the Middle East, and it could make sure it gave us gas over Afghanistan, and you'll see the wingmen around us. So sometimes it's easy to lose sight when you're in 20 football fields and there's 1.5 million square feet around you. Understand that you're connected and you make a big difference. It might be here, it might be back home, it might be in the community after a disaster, but you're destined to make a huge difference. So how do what I tell my four kids? You know, the simple verbiage I'd use for them is be a good wingman, be a good wingman. And when we talk about being a wingman, one of the things that happens when you're flying fighters is you can't see through the back of the airplane. So what you really rely on is you rely on the other planes that you're flying with. You rely on them to look around you. They check your six, they make sure nobody's there, they look in front of your nose, make sure you're not going to hit anything. They look at the ground when you go to drop a bomb and make sure nobody's shooting at you. That is what a good wingman is. And the incredible thing about this venue is that there are a lot of wingmen around here. There are a lot of incredible wingmen out here. Um, by my count, something like 6,600 wingmen. Um, and every one of them is ready to high-five you. They're there to pick you up. They're there to tell you that was the best thing they've ever seen. They're there to tell you there's something else I could have done. They're there to tell you, do you have the Virgin Islands pin? Anybody from the Virgin Islands? That's where you want to go if you want to get to 50 pins. Um, it's somewhere back there. Um, but you've got all these wingmen, and you've got all of these opportunities to lean on each other and share your experiences to make sure, collectively, you get everything you can out of these three days. You get everything you can out of these three days. So you've heard a lot of people talk about high-fiving and doing all of these incredible things and leaning on each other. Be a good wingman. Be a good wingman. Support everyone you see. And here's one. Everybody likes a winner until they're too good at winning, winning, and then they become really annoying. But everybody loves a winning team. This, again, is part of the we and the me. I'd encourage every one of you there to be great teammates. This isn't about the individual. This is about the greater good. This is about 42, 
420,000 people, all these alumni doing incredible things to make sure that our nation moves forward in a powerful way. It's about making sure that the skills that the individuals who go through these programs have are relevant, they're current, and they're applicable immediately in the job market. That's what this organization is looking to do. So be a part of a winning team. Um, I was, as you heard in the bio, I was fortunate uh, to be selected to be a Top Gun instructor, and it is nothing like the movie. <laughs> nothing like the movie. I had no motorcycle. I had no girlfriends. I didn't play volleyball with my shirt off. But I did learn that you can be your best. So this was founded. We actually celebrated our 50th reunion. In World War II, they used something called the kill ratio, which is the number of American fighters that were shot down for every enemy. And it was 12 to 1. Every American fighter shot down 12 enemy aircraft before it got shot down. And I think it was, an 11, in, it was 11 in Korea. And then it dropped to 2.5 in Vietnam. So for every American fighter that got shot down, they only shot down 2.5 other fighters. So they stood up this school, and these men stood up and said, let's do incredible things and let's make sure the we gets better. And one of the things in the movie that's really a huge disservice is they made it sound like it was about Tom Cruise and the me, but it was really about the we. Everything we did at that school was about getting people to the merge, about figuring out tactics, about briefing and debriefing to make sure that we were flying the jet the best way we could fly it. And we were teaching in the most exquisite ways. So when we went into battle, our wingman was just as good as us. If we failed in that, we failed. We got an F. You had to make sure that you could teach. And that, in doing that, you created the tide that raised all boats. So one of the other things I'd tell my kids is I'd go, you know, they've got this thing called the 10,000-hour rule. Malcolm Gladwell says, to be good, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. I don't have 10,000 hours in an airplane. But what I did have, and that's Tim in the middle, right, Tim? Is that you? <laughs> Tim with the uh, Beatles haircut there. This is the Beatles, actually. And the Beatles got really good because they played in all these shady bars, and they practiced and practiced and practiced and performed. And and perfected their art, just like you have to get here. And in this 10,000-hour rule, they became really, really good um, in doing this. So with Top Gun, one of the things we did is you might fly for one hour, but you prepared for that flight for probably four hours. You briefed for one hour. You pre-flighted for an hour. And then you'd spend eight hours debriefing element of that flight uh, afterwards. And what's unique about that is I think you have a really, really incredible track record of sharing and of performance. So as you're in there, people go, this is just somebody performing a task. And if I could tell all the viewers in the world, I'd say, you know what's incredible about the U's from the 50 states and all of these different territories is that I know to get here, they put in those hours. And I know to get here, you debriefed each other and you sat up probably woke up in the middle of the night and said, how can I do this better? And you got to 10,000 hours. So again, I applaud you on all you've done. The use, the use, the use, the use. Okay, my last thing I tell my four kids is I'd say, sometimes the best lessons come from failure. So in July of 1996, while I was at Top Gun, in an F-14, we set up on what's called a perch set. 
And essentially what it does is it puts one airplane in a position where there's almost nothing they can do. Someone's directly at their six. Um, at, you start at one mile. You call in, it says 0 0.9, 0 0.8, 0 0.7, 0 0.6, 0 0.5, or half a mile, and they take a shot. And your goal in that def defensive aircraft is to maneuver your aircraft as aggressively as you can and make it impossible for that person to follow you. Make it impossible for them to follow you. So what happens is we do that, and at the fight's on, we start an aggressive pull, and we hear a beep, 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 beep. It's an engine stall. And then we hear another beep, 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 beep. It's a second engine stall. And the nose pitches up to the horizon, and the airplane starts spinning. And then you jump through those procedures. Stick forward, neutral lateral, harness locked, rudder opposite, turn needle yaw, on and on and on. At this point in time, we call to knock it off. The other aircraft knows something's wrong. They begin to dive down and follow us. The nose comes up to the horizon. We begin spinning faster and faster and faster. And the airplane stops moving forward. And it's spinning over the Nevada. Where's Nevada? All right, Nevada, spinning over the Nevada desert. And the final procedure is a flat spin verified by flat attitude, increasing yaw rate, increasing eyeball out Gs. Rio, command eject. Get out of the airplane. So we hit the altitude. Two people in the other airplane, two people in my airplane say, and I'm in the, I'm in the back again. I'm the, the guy who, I'm the goose. Everyone yells eject and we punch out of the airplane. We punch out of the airplane, and we give a $60 million airplane to the Nevada desert. So the chute opens up. The chute opens up, and I look up, and I go through my procedures, and I say, oh, awesome, the chute worked. And I look down between my feet, and I see the airplane spin three more times. It hits the deck, and 16,000 pounds of gas goes whoosh, and it comes right up at me. And I say, oh, <laughs> yeah, someone got it right there in South Dakota, I think, or is that South Dakota over there? South Dakota, yeah. South Dakota used the right word. And we got out of the airplane. And I thought I'd never fly again because we'd turned this incredible airplane into a chunk in the Nevada desert. But what happened after that was amazing because I had the opportunity to tell everyone what I'd done wrong. I had opportunities for people to tell me what I could have done, and it became probably the most powerful learning experience for me because I could use this for my rest, the rest of my career. So it was absolutely amazing. So remember, as you go into these next three days, as you go into these next three days of incredible competition, as you go into these next three days where you get to flex these muscles that you've been building over the course of the last year, and you turn those into gold medals, and you turn them into incredible accolades, and you turn them into an opportunity to leap into your future and have an impact on the community, that everyone there, your wingmen, your teachers, your advisors, um, the people from all these other states that you're going to interact with, they're there to make sure that you do great in the face of failure. So remember, right, the we versus the me. I don't know what you're going to do, be doing, but you're going to be important and you're going to make incredible things happen. Remember that leadership is about the we. It's not about the me. 
And remember that you deserve to be here and you're going to do incredible things. I hope again that when the call of duty comes, and it's going to come, and all these skills you have that are going to make people's lives better because they can begin to put their homes together, or because the one thing they can feel about is looking beautiful in the morning, or because the IT infrastructure, because transportation, or because they have plumbing, the electricity, all of those things, I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll join us in the field in making this world a better place. And I'll finish. Okay, I didn't plan to do this, but I have to do this now. I'm going to pretend I'm playing an incredible rock song called National Leadership and Skills Conference 2019 is Amazing. And when I do this air guitar, I want all of you to act like this is the most amazing concert in the world for me. Please? Please? All right, here we go. National Leadership Skills Conference is amazing! So this is it. This is the rock concert. This is about you. You are amazing. You are champions. Congratulations. It's been an honor to be with you today. Thank you.